I've never spoken in public. I've told my testimony to several people over the years, but I want to share it tonight. So I'm going to pray now because my legs are weak and I don't want to collapse. <laughs> so thank you, Father, Lord, for this opportunity to bless your people. I ask you, O oh God, to direct me and lead me by your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm reading most of this because there's a lot of information. Mom married seven times. My dad died when I was two years old, so I don't remember him. I do have a photograph of, of myself and my twin sister standing beside him, but that's all I know about him. Mom said he was a musician a drummer, and he also drove a taxi cab. His name was Jesse Fred. Seemed like mom married drunks. We had rough times. You wouldn't believe the places we lived in. No water, no electricity, no outhouse. Well, no inside out. Inside house, we had outhouses, I suppose. But those are just some of the things I remember. And then about when I was 10 years of age, my brother and I were picked up by the state, I guess because of my mom, and they had us locked up in a, in a uh, uh, specific place in Little Rock, Arkansas, and uh, we didn't want to be in there. And my brother, man, he's thinking. So he happened to find a dime with that dime, he was able to unscrew a set of aluminum windows. We crawled out with nothing but our pajamas on and some shoes, and it was raining bad. We hitchhiked from Little Rock to Taylor, Arkansas. That's where my grandmother lived. And um, she gave us a place to sleep that night. But the next morning, she had called the authorities on us, and they took us away again. This is the time my brother said, I hate you, Grandma. I hate you. I remember one time running through the snow with one of Mom's husbands shooting at us with a shotgun. I don't know how we get out of that. I just remember running and hollering. And I guess it must have gotten dark because it finally was over with. After that, I don't remember what happened. I was still a real young boy. Another time, because my mother was always fighting with her husbands, the police were called. They took her husband out behind the building, uh, the house, and beat him with billy clubs and told him, don't let us come back here again. We lived in El Dorado, Arkansas. I could feel the presence of God, but I didn't know it was him. But I do remember at one point saying, while I had my little knife out and I was whittling, I was trying to make me a little airplane. 
And I heard him, and I said out loud, get away from me, devil. My mom happened to be sitting at the window, and she heard that. She testified that that happened. Another time, she was fighting with one of her husbands and beat him over the head with the big cigarette ashtray. Caused a lot of blood. Never a dull moment at our place. I remember mom, she entertained men. Sometimes we would stand outside of the bar and wait for mom to come out and give us some money. We could go to the show for 10 cents and stay all day long, and that's what we did. I guess it was a way of escape. But then the cartoons were fun too. We went to Little Rock. Um, we moved around a lot, so I may not have all this right. We moved around a lot. We were in Little Rock, just my mom. Oh, yeah, we had we had a, a hitchhike from Taylor to Little Rock. I think my mom at that time was trying to get welfare for us kids because uh, my dad was dead. But I found out that the state said no. He's not dead because he's still paying on his Social Security. I think I got that right. So they wouldn't give us anything. And there were three of us at the house beside my mom. It was time for my birthday at 12 years old. Mom and I walked past a store window and there was a pair of black tennis shoes. I said, Mom, can I have those? It's my birthday. She said, we'll get them for you. Don't worry. A little while later, she met up with the man. And they, I guess, hit it off pretty good. Long story short, I was stuck in a hotel room with them for three days. All I had to eat was crackers, onions, and water. I was scared to death. I never got the tennis shoes. I was probably in my early 20s at this time, and I was working at Church's Fried Chicken in Dallas. I was a manager. And I would always cook the chicken. That way I could watch and make sure all the people that were working for me were doing their job, the customers were being waited on. So I had a good view of what was going on. And I had a little radio there that I'd play. And at this time, Joan Baez sang Amazing Grace. I'd listen to it. 
and I'd have to stop my cooking and go to my office and cry. I didn't know what to do about that song, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound. It saved a wretch like me. I didn't know what to do about it. All I could do was cry. I started dating a previous employee, and uh, one morning I got up after spending the night with her, and I went to the kitchen and made me some eggs and toast and coffee. And while I was sitting there, I thought my roommate had come home because I heard my name, Ron. And I said, what? Where are you? I got to looking for my roommate. Couldn't find him. I went and sat back down. Ron. I thought, he's hiding somewhere. I can't find him. And I went and sat back down. Run. I said, what? Are you going out tonight? I said, yes. Are you going to be dancing and drinking? I said, yes. Are you going to be sleeping with that girl? I said, yes. I said, Ron, you're going to die and you're going to hell for what you're doing. I said, No. I don't want to go to hell. I fell underneath my table. This was August 6, 1972. Fell underneath my table. I don't know what happened there. But I remember saying, okay, God, now I know you're real. And if I go to hell, it's going to be your fault. Because you're going to have to take a baseball bat and beat me away from you. I got up from there. I was a changed man. I didn't know what had happened, but I just knew I had an encounter with God. That evening, I went to the bar where the girl worked. She said, you want a Coors? I said, no, give me a Coke. I got to talk to you said, I can't be with you anymore. Why? So I told her what happened. She looked at me and said, and she did this, you'll be back. There was a young man sitting on a bar stool. He overheard the conversation. He said, so you're saved, huh? Quote John 3.16. I didn't know what it was. I said, I don't know it. See there, you're not saved. I said, yes, I am. Yes, I am. I never went back. I met another young man that had a similar experience where he almost killed himself. He and I became friends that night. And he asked me to come to a church service, which I did. 
Then the next night, I went back again because they were having revival. And I received the gift of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. I didn't even know anything about it. But I did. Praise God. I would go to Dallas often. This is since my wife and I have been here. I've been here, what, 23 years, 22 years? I'd go to Dallas for business, and I stopped by to see my mom. While I was there, the Holy Spirit told me, write these words onto a slip of paper and tell her to read them every day. So I wrote, Jesus, make sure that I'm ready. She read it. She said, look, I'm not a murderer. I don't rob banks. I'm pretty honest. I think I'm good. I called her often and asked her if she'd read the note. Yeah, 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 I read it, I read it. She's getting, I guess, upset with me a little bit. But one morning, about six months later, the telephone in my house rang. Five o'clock in the morning. I said, hello? Sorry, my wife told me not to do that. <laughs> Five o'clock in the morning, she called me. She said, guess what? Jesus came into my heart. Can you imagine that? 90 years old. Jesus, nobody there to minister with her or to tell her anything except what I had witnessed to her. She said, I, I got saved. And you could tell she got saved. She cleaned up her act as far as her speech, and that came immediately almost. But the thing of it is, she got sweet. And when she passed away at 94, she was still praising Jesus, and she had gotten younger. I know she looked 25 years younger than she did when she got saved. Amen. What a wonderful God we serve. I had a brother named Mike. We called him Sonny. I was welcome at his house. Excuse me. I was welcome at his house, but I could not talk about Jesus. I asked him, why do you hate Jesus? He said, sometimes mom would leave me in charge of you, girl, you guys, you know, and she'd be gone for three, four, five days at a time. He said, we didn't have any food to eat. He said, I'd pray, and God never gave us any food. He said, do you remember we used to drag an old cardboard box behind us down the street down to the bakery that overnight had thrown away day-old cakes and pastries and bread and how we'd jump into the dumpster and get the stuff out? He said, that's all we had to eat. I didn't know this. I had met the lady, but 
she came down out of Oklahoma to my brother Mike's, or we call him Sonny, to his business. He and I were in the same business, uh, buying and selling used appliances and air conditioning. And uh, she bought a lot of washers and dryers and refrigerators from him. I mean, over the years. And I didn't know it, but she was witnessing to him. Well, he got sick, very sick. He had cancer of the throat, the lungs, and the brain. He was in bad shape. So Rosie and I went to their house. They lived about 75 miles from here. And we got there, and Mike motioned to his wife. He couldn't speak. He could just kind of, you know, kind of grunt and everything. And she said he wants to sit up. So me and Rosie sat with him on the side of the bed, her on one side and me on the other. And Rosie said, Mike, I'm going to take your hand. And when we feel the Holy Ghost, squeeze my hand. He did. He squeezed it. And she said, lay him back down. He said, no. What he was saying was, I'm going to sit here. I'm going to be identified with my brother and his wife as Christians now. I'm going to be, I'm, I'm serving God the best I can in my last few days so he gotten saved. I didn't say that well, but you understand what I'm saying. So we we drove back home to get cleaned up. We, time we got back, he'd passed away. We got there just in time to see the ambulance carry car him away. And uh, all I can say is, he left this world with his Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. For him that hated God, God still saved him. <laughs> While this was going on outside, my sister, one of them, named Brenda, she was outside yelling, there ain't no God, there ain't no God cursing and carrying on and swearing. She's the one I'd witnessed to many, many times, and she'd laugh when I'd tell her about the Lord and how much he loved her. She'd laugh. And here she is now cursing God even when her brother's dead. She got real sick. So Rosie and I and my twin sister, we drove up to Fort Smith where she was living and she kept calling my name, Ronnie, Ronnie, Ronnie. She was, she didn't even know I was there. But one of her kids said, she'd been calling for your name for weeks. I didn't know. But anyway, she um, she died in 2022, calling my name, but not calling on Jesus.
My brother-in-law, my twin sister's husband, he was dying. Y'all know I got allergies, don't you? Am I still, my mic still on? Okay. Isn't it, we call him Cowboy. He, his mom was a real good Christian lady. I only met her once or twice. But it didn't rub off on him. He was just, even though he was a teddy bear, he was tough. And but when he got sick, he knew he could call on me. So he called me on the phone and said, Ronnie, I need to get saved. Would you pray for me? I said, yeah, let me let me get my, in a truck and I'll drive over. Oh, no, don't drive. I may die before then. Do it on the phone. I said, on the phone? He said, yeah. So I talked to him a few minutes and he prayed and gave his heart to the Lord. And it was just maybe two or three weeks later he died. But my sister said that he died with a smile on his face. He was happy. My twin sister, uh, she was Cowboy's uh, wife. She got saved. And she had a daughter named Terry. Terry got saved. I went to see Terry, and I gave her, I forgot which book it was. It could have been a New Testament. And I, would, I gave it to her, and she said, Uncle Ronnie, make sure that when I'm gone, that that is put into the coffin with me. I said, I will. And I did. But she died happy. Because she, she accepted the Lord. There was another person who I didn't mention, I don't think. It was Kimberly. Y'all know our son, Mo. Kimberly was his mother. She got burned up in a fire while her husband sat underneath a tree and watched the house go up in flames with Mo sitting beside him at three years of age. Mo has never gotten over that. I went to the hospital to see her. All I could do was talk to her because she was in a coma. And, um, <clears throat> excuse me, the doctor said, go ahead, talk to her. I said, even though she's in a deep coma, she can hear you. So I ministered to her the best I could every time I'd come. I finally asked her, does she want to go to heaven and be with the Lord? She said, yes. And the reason she said yes, the why is because big old tears came down her face. So I knew she had accepted the Lord. I was living in sin when I got saved. Of course, we all were. <laughs> My co-workers didn't like me anymore. The office manager called me into the office and asked me, what does Jesus look like? Well, I, all I could say was, well, I had just ridden, uh, just uh, know what word I'm supposed to be using. I just ridden. Is that right? Just read. I just read. Excuse me. I'm a country boy. Ain't that right, brother? And um, 
I said, well, he's dressed in a white robe. He has a breastplate of righteousness on. His hair is white, and he has a crown on his head. Thank you, Ron. That afternoon before the shift ended, she called me back to the office. She said, Ron, we don't need your services anymore. I got fired, but I was still happy. When I was 12 or 13, we had a rope swing in the backyard. You know how you'd swing it out and then you'd jump and straddle the rope? I tried that one time. I missed the swing. Fell flat on my back. There was a doctor lived next door. He came over. He said, he's dead. My twin sister said, no, he's not. And she ran into the house. And the only water she could find was ice cold water with ice in it coming out of the refrigerator. She got that and she poured it all over my face and head. I went, That was a miracle. The doctor said, he's dead. God has preserved my life as a testimony for him. Now, this might interest you. I remember 1981. I was at church after services and we were having a birthday party for the youth pastor's wife. Toward the end, I decided to go out and start the car up because it was cold outside. And as I went to get into my car, I noticed there was a some headlights on at the back of the parking lot. And I thought, somebody's left their lights on. So I walked toward the car. I couldn't tell. Someone had gotten out of the car, but I couldn't tell who it was because of the light was blinding me. And he walked up to me no more than three or four feet. And I said, oh, it's you, Tom. He said, I heard you call me an SOB. I said, what? I heard you call me an SOB. Of course, I didn't do that. He reached into his pocket, got out of the pistol, and he shot at me, point blank toward the face, and he missed me. And he fired again, and he missed me. And I'm thinking, he's got a cap pistol. Because he was a friend of mine. And on top of that, he was a pastor's son. And on top of that, he was a gospel singer. And on top of that, he was supposed to have been living for the Lord. I heard someone yell, run, 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 run. So I ran, and I'm thinking, 
what am I running for? He's got a cap pistol. So I squatted down beside my car. And he come around the backside of my car. And he's looking down at me. I'm looking at him and I'm thinking, what in the world is going on? He fired. It didn't even hurt. Just like a thump. And I heard that voice again, run, Ron, run. So I started running, and he's still firing. I ran into the church and went into the fellowship hall. And I said, I've been shot. Everybody started laughing because, you know, I like to have fun, you know. But I guess they could tell because I was bleeding. And I had no strength and I'd fallen down to my knees and fallen down, squatting down sort of, I guess you'd call it. They started praying for me. The man that was chasing me, Tom, was grabbed by Brother Austin, big guy like you, brother. Slammed him up against the church building. Took the gun from him. The ambulance came. And right before that, I had to ask the pastor, I said, I want to join the church. He said, well, we'll see. And after the shooting, they were rolling me down the hallway in the church, and I said, can I still join the church? He said, I don't know. Well, anyway, he missed me the two, first two times, but the third time he shot me right here. It left a pretty good size hole until it closed up. It was big because I looked at it. You know, the doctor showed it to me. I was in the hospital, and, and uh, the head doctor, Methodist Hospital, operated on me, and... Uh, I was talking to him, and I saw all these staples. I mean, just a hundred of staples going down the middle of my chest, down to my navel. And I said, what is this? He said, that's a zipper in case we need to go back in and work on you again. And I said, all right. I said, what's this here? There was a little gauze right there. I said, what is that? He got serious and said, Mr. McCoy, that's where the bullet went in. I said, oh. So he showed it to me. It looked like about that big. I could stick my little finger in it, you know, real easy. He was a good doctor. He took care of me. I guess it was the grand jury called me up. Want me to press charges. I said, no, I'm not going to press charges. I said, because my wife, he wanted my wife. That's what he confessed to, that if Ron was out of the way, he could get to marry her. Grand jury said, we need you to press charges. I said, no. I said, she could have stopped that. It's not entirely his fault. 
Six months later, he was dead. He was a young man, too. We were about 28, about 29 years old I was at the time. A long time ago. On the way to the hospital at Methodist Hospital, they had taken me to a hospital there in, in uh, Pleasant Grove. And I remember them cutting my shirt off. And I'm thinking, man, they're messing up my shirt. Because I thought, this must be a nice shirt. And they're cutting it off of me. I guess I didn't realize what was really going on because I had bled so much. They said they couldn't help me there, so they put me on the helicopter. I had a lot of internal problems. They said the bullet went in and just zigzagged, did everything, and it caused a lot of damage on my organs. So I was kind of out of it, but I do remember being in a helicopter, and there's two attendants there, both pretty girls, I'm telling you. I looked at them, and I said, man, you guys are good looking. And I said, you guys are angels? And uh, it was good. That helicopter ride never had one before. <laughs> but anyways, I divorced my wife. I stayed with her because, well, you know how we are. We're, sometimes we think we know what we're doing, and we're dumb. But I stayed with her, and finally, I had so many nightmares, and she'd make light of it, like, well, I don't, what's wrong with you? And I'd wake up screaming and hollering, you know. And uh, she had never not acknowledged that, have anything to do with that. She said, it's, it's all a lie. She said, I never messed with him. I don't think a man would come after you to kill you just for a trifling thing. So anyway, I divorced her and 1999. It was very hard. But anyways, went on. I met Rosie. She and I got married, y'all know, February the 14th, 2000. She's my, she called me her. What'd you call me? Bucket? What? Love bucket. She called me her love bucket. And I just say to her, yes, ma'am. I had open heart in 2005 when my family looked at me. They said I looked like the Michelin man because I was in operating room about 12 hours. And I guess in 2005, the, um, the way they did it was probably a little bit different than they do now. And they had me hooked up on all kinds of tubes and I just like this here. And um, God got me through that. I had four uh, bypasses at that time. I've had two stents put in. I had another open heart surgery in 2019. That was right before the doctor told me. He said, Ron, you got maybe three months to live. And I said, no, I don't want to die. I told Rosie, and I immediately set it up. I said, you go ahead and operate. I'm going to come through this with God's help. 
and I did. Came through, that was 2019. I'm still doing great. I can never imagine how much God loves me, but he's proven it by keeping me because God knows those who are going to be the heirs of salvation. And when things come into our life, he takes care of them, pushes them aside, or he intervenes in such a miraculous way. So I'm thankful to be here. I'm thankful to be alive. I'm thankful for my wife, even though she makes me take out the trash. Wash the dishes. Hey, wait a minute. I think I got a list here. <laughs> but anyway... Since I got saved in 1972, up till now, it's been wonderful, and I'm still looking forward to more years serving the Lord. This is my first time giving a testimony, especially in so much detail. But remember this, if you live for him, he promised us a home in heaven. If you keep your faith in him, he's going to see us through. So that's what I got to say tonight. Thank you very much.